Hello and welcome to Build Back Better, a series of online conversations from For the Region about the future of South West Wales. Welcome everyone to the next roundtable conversation in our series of online discussions from For the Region, Build Back Better. Today we're talking about what next for Swansea High Street and we're joined by a great group of people to talk through some of the opportunities and the challenges that are facing Swansea High Street in the immediate post-lockdown period, how we're going to reopen and get High Street buzzing again in all the right ways. We're joined by Gareth Davies from Coastal Housing, Ben Reynolds from Urban Foundry, Claudine from the Volcano Theatre, Jonathan from Elysium Gallery. We've got Anna Redfern from Cinema & Co. And Julie Williamson from the Federation of Small Businesses and First Call Coffee on High Street. Welcome everyone. Thank, Thank you for joining us. I'm going to hand over to you, Gareth. Gareth Davies is Head of Development at Coastal Housing. And you've been having some thoughts and some conversations lately about High Street. Can I invite you to kick off our discussion this morning? Yeah, thank you, Dawn. Good morning, everybody. I, I suppose I've been having thoughts about ever since I came for an interview at Coastal Housing Group six years ago. So I think I rather naively thought that I would walk down High Street at that time and grab a coffee before going into their offices attending my interview. But at that time, High Street didn't look like it does at the moment with various businesses operating, particularly from that stretch as you head out of the station into the city centre itself. And of course, you'll be aware that Coastal's sort of invested quite a lot of time and energy and has had had the support of Swansea Council, the Welsh Government, with funding to regenerate uh, certainly that section of High Street. We've developed a number of schemes along, along that uh, thoroughfare. And I guess what has, has sort of occupied my thoughts a lot over, over the years is what the impact of closing a section of high street traffic would look like. I, I'm not an expert in traffic management and, you know, what the impact that would have on the wider arterial sort of movement of Swansea's more broader traffic infrastructure. But it's always occurred to me as to what that would look like if it was a more pedestrian-friendly environment. And I guess COVID has made me think about that in much more detail. And I have attended a number of meetings along with Ben, which has been chaired by Nick Williams of Welsh Government, and attended by members of local authorities, not just Swansea, but also Neathport, Talbot, Pembrokeshire and Carmarthen, and how we can actually sort of respond to a post-COVID world where people will want to come back, hopefully, to the city centres and the town centres, but they would want to feel safe in doing so. We will have to respect the two-metre legislation in Wales, whether that changes or not, you know, who, who knows. But how long will that last, you know, until, I guess, everybody's sort of concentrating on the vaccine being the sort of ultimate panacea for this this crisis but we want to be able to create an environment where people will feel safe um, to, to to come out and eat and you know meet friends and socialize Swansea's regeneration plans you know are still happening you know if you drive into the center you can still see the new arena emerging next to the LC2 so in my mind you know what does that journey sort of to Swansea look like coming out of the train station walking down high street you're going through a gig of a, on a weekday evening or whatever, or a weekend evening, and wanting to maybe sort of have food and drinks beforehand. So what does that all look like for Swansea High Street? And it, and it sort of, I guess, 
brought my attention back to you know whether whether closing Swansea High Street would be a good or a bad thing for businesses. And that's certainly not my place to comment on that because it's the businesses that will be affected either positively or negatively from it. So I've had, had conversations with Ben and I had conversations with with others around this and and Swansea Council as well at a planning officer level. So I guess the, the nature of this discussion today was really to try and seek people's thoughts. You know, people who operate along there like Julie, like the Elysium Gallery, Anna and, and the Volcano, as to whether there would be an appetite for that approach. Whether, whether the Swansea High Street would close permanently, I, I don't think that is ever likely to happen. But whether something could happen on a periodic basis or could it be one way, I, I, I just don't know. It's just, um, it's just opening up discussion really to see whether it's worth pursuing something more meaningful around that. Absolutely. And we've seen examples from around the world, I think, in the media over recent weeks, including Cardiff, cities that are reducing space for traffic to make more space for people. And so I suppose the question is, should we be looking at something similar here in Swansea and, and on High Street in particular? And what are the impacts of reducing traffic and making more trading space? Ben, Urban Foundry have got quite a lot of experience in placemaking and shaping public spaces and creating places and environments that people want to be. You organise the Uplands Market and the Marina Market in Swansea. And as an urban design consultancy, you've probably got some insights in this. I mean, what's your vision for Swansea High Street and what do you think are some of the opportunities that we're able to explore? Looks very likely this Friday, cafes and restaurants are going to be told that they can open, but only serving outdoors. For some, they might be lucky enough to have outdoor spaces. Uh, they might have things like beer garden equivalents or whatever else it might be, but actually a large number of the small operators won't have their own outdoor spaces. They will open straight onto the street. And so they're faced with a choice of either we create them space in the public realm to do that, or they don't open. If they do open, they can only open for somebody to come to a hatch and walk away with a sandwich or a cup of coffee. So there's an immediate pressure in terms of how do we resolve that, that short-term issue in terms of sort of creating spaces. And there's quite a few different ways that you can do that. It's, as Gareth says, you can go for full road closures and a lot of places in the world are doing that and actually closing off streets which are not key to transit, which you, you can easily divert around to create that kind of space. Many are doing things like partial closures, maybe single lane closures. So you reduce them down to one way. So you're gaining just more space on the pavement. Lots are doing what are called parklets, which which is nothing new. It's been around for a very, very long time. It's very, very common on the continent. But actually, they're the, the sort of temporary uh, bits of decking or platform that are built out over roadside parking spaces on street with a barrier on the roadside. And it just allows for that kind of uh, street seating, often with a cover over it, which, which is on street. So there's that immediate post-COVID lockdown, which is really about how do we enable particularly the small cafes and restaurants to survive? Because the big ones will probably be okay. They'll, you know, they've got, they've got enough money in the bank. They've got a big enough turnover. A lot of them, when they are allowed to open indoors, are large enough that even if they cut their number of covers by two thirds, they can probably still turn over enough money. But small ones just can't do that. They just physically haven't got floor space. So there's that immediate sort of practical issue, which is also combined with the potential that we're being told that a lot of people may well avoid public transport. Allied to that are things about how do we make it easier to cycle and walk into our town and city centres by making the connections to them from the immediate surrounding residential areas faster and safer if you're a pedestrian or a cyclist. There just physically isn't enough room for everybody to get in their car and drive in. We just don't have the space in town and city centres for that to be a, a viable option. So it is about balance because some people have restricted mobility. Um, you know, to older people, you know, particularly will, will need use of private vehicles. 
and so it's it's not it's not about one or the other it's about balance and making that right but the second aspect to it is that we've got this once in a generation opportunity now to actually look at the towns and cities that we actually want rather than just what we can have and one of the most striking things that's come out of the whole lockdown process has been a dramatic improvement in air quality. That's, that's almost entirely down to a reduction of vehicles on the private motor vehicles on the roads. Now in, the, in the long, long run, hopefully we'll all be driving electric vehicles and that problem will ultimately go away. But in the short to medium term, it's going to take quite a long time for that to happen to, to actually make an appreciable difference. And you're seeing studies that are saying that actually, you know, the, the people who have breathing difficulties, chronic lung, lung conditions, asthma, have had a noticeable improvement in their lives and their health. And actually this isn't some kind of thing that is a force of nature that we can't do anything about. This is entirely within our own hands to do something about this. It's, it's very sensitive at the moment. We've got to be careful about that because lots of businesses, small businesses are going to be reopening into this and it's going to be a real knife edge as to whether they can survive. So that it's, we've got to have a pretty sober conversation about creating the cities we want whilst also being really sensitive to people's livelihoods and keeping them going in the short term and for some people it is true that they will need to be, be able to bring a private vehicle in so it's really about having those sort of sensible discussions really about um, you know how, how do we balance up those two competing issues between keeping businesses going uh, and, and the need for access but on the other side also keeping businesses going by creating them more space and so those, those are the sort of tensions that are there that we, we need to have that discussion about. And to use what's called tactical or I like the word pop-up urbanism to do that, which is really about how do you use very, very low cost, cheap, temporary ways of doing it, which is what we're seeing in Europe, which is what Cardiff have done by using things like, uh, you know, kind of water filled barrels or, um, you know, heavy concrete plants brought in on a forklift truck and sort of dropped down to create temporary barriers but we're not going to the huge scale and expense of permanent changes to road spaces. One of the best examples in the world of this, which was long before COVID was done in New York. And in New York, they closed Times Square, which was seen as absolutely apocryphal in car loving New York. You know, that's the last thing in the universe that they wanted to do, but actually was a phenomenal, overwhelming success and has now been made permanent. And that was done with industrial floor paint, a couple of water filled barrels and a load of deck chairs. Basically, it was the Transportation Commissioner for New York, a woman called Janet Sadiq Khan. Uh, you can see her TED, in fact, it's on our website there, but you can see her, if you just Google her TED talk, um, it's, an, it's an excellent example of how this type of thing works. There's always resistance because actually most people are sort of conservative with a small C towards that type of change because it's, it's different. And it's, if it's your livelihood, you're, you're, you're understandably nervous about those types of changes. The beauty of tactical urbanism and pop-up type urbanism is you can trial it for real rather than working on a hypothetical study, which may be based on really complex models and all sorts of other things but they can be wrong buy it for real see what happens and if you find you're wrong you can undo it at about 48 hours notice it's it's, it's really really quick and cheap and easy to do and you're talking about a few hundred quid up to maybe a thousand pound which in the scheme of road improvements is is absolutely peanuts um so it's those sorts of sort of temporary kind of things that allow us to test this type of approach which is what we should start looking at mm. which isn't it's been tried before it's been you know it was done on the um it was done with the arts project the name of which i'm afraid temporarily escapes me but um but you know the arts council of wales funded project did temporarily close the road there so it has been done before um but it doesn't necessarily have to go that far it might be a hybrid it might be parklets it might be a single lane it might be just for a couple of days it's just really trying different things to see how we can 
drive footfall and actually try and make people's spaces there. And in so doing, start to kind of create little pilot projects that show others what does and doesn't work because the rest of the world actually is not just Swansea. The UK actually is outside of London quite a long way behind with this type of thinking and actually we need to start demonstrating some new and innovative thinking with these types of approaches and if you know high street's not an easy place to try all this sort of stuff because you know high street's on the fringe of the city center it's a regeneration area as gareth has said it's a lot of work still to be done there um it is a key bus route so there's there's some key issues that we need to resolve around that but nevertheless you've got a big strong willing very progressive partner there in coastal who's willing to try things um and it's not a bad area just to trial a few approaches and just see what does and doesn't work and learn by doing really. So that's, that's kind of the, the very early stages of, of discussion and conversation, but really that's, that, that's sort of as far as it's gotten at the moment, really, it's kind of, you know, one of the things we might be able to do, but we also need to be, you know, be, be hearing from others to see what their particular challenges are in terms of how they're going to reopen, what they think are yeah. going to be the issues and how we address that really. Yeah, okay, great. Well, that's a good overview of some of the possibilities, as you say, creating more space for smaller businesses to operate outdoors. Julie, I'm going to come to you. You run First Call Coffee on the high street, which perhaps is one such small business that might have challenges reopening with two metre social distancing in place. What's going on at First Call Coffee? What's your perspective on the reopening of High Street? And does it fill you with horror to think of closing High Street to traffic? Or do you see opportunities in that? I've listened to both Gareth and Ben with interest. And I think what they say is quite viable. I like to think of being positive. I think I must have had some sort of positive streak. Else otherwise, I wouldn't have been here so long or over all these years, nearly 40 years or whatever. But... I really wonder at this very moment, the big question is why? why? Why talk about these the idea of pedestrianisation at the moment? I understand you, you said about the social distancing and contrary to quite a lot of other cities, which we could sort of perhaps try to emulate around the country, I'm sure we have an awful lot more rainfall than every other city that you can mention. It's all very well having all these outdoor things, but what about... The weather, that's my one big thing. You're brilliant in this last three months, um, weather-wise, as you know. We would never have had any problem. We really don't know for the next few months what it's going to be like. I also feel in High Street, I think generally pedestrianisation is great if you've got good footfall. There's lots of things for people to come to as being a destination, you know, to go and park and then actually come along in and wander around and everything else but I really don't think there's enough at the moment in high street to be able to do that you know I mean there's still so many empty spaces so many empty shops and so forth and I really feel there's a chance at this very moment that there just would not be enough footfall to make it viable I guess I'm possibly in the minority here because I've been one of our businesses has been open throughout lockdown um, not that we'd intended for it to happen, but it just so happened. So I've been around quite a lot, and I'll be quite honest with you. Um, 
although I always try to look at the rather more positive side of things because it's got so much going for it. Swansea City Centre always has. I mean, heavens, we're in a wonderful area. The people in this area are always very warm, you know, encouraging people to come along in. We've got lots and lots of benefits, but in this little area at the moment, I do feel that this last couple of months has accumulated rather more undesirables. Possibly no more than usual, but when you haven't got good footfall, then it's obvious. If you had, for instance, the Oxford Street area at the moment, with an awful lot more take up on shop spaces, there's reasonable reason, if you understand what I mean, to go and park and go and do your shopping. But I just don't think people would do that so much here yet in the future yes i i would agree with you okay thank you for that i think that sort of sets out both sides of the discussion in a way looking at what are we losing and why now and of course the, the comment about the weather anna can i come to you we've had conversations as well haven't we about uh, cinema and co and your ideas around how you're going to be able to reopen and uh, what's your perspective on some of this um, I'm kind of inclined to uh, agree with Julie in the lack of footfall, really. Like, um, before lockdown, the town centre's just dead, full stop. And I'm just not convinced. As much as I, in an ideal world, I'd love for us to do more outdoor things and mm. to pedestrianise it and make it more continental in a way. But yeah, if the mm. footfall's not there in the first place, then that would be quite a challenge. So yes, that's kind of my feeling towards it at the moment. You know, on the flip side of that, I think where Gareth is coming from in a way is, is what can we do to encourage people back onto High Street and to get that footfall back up? And one of the challenges is if, if there isn't sufficient space for businesses to reopen, then we are in this situation where nothing's open. Small businesses that can't reopen are going to suffer. And so it's really trying to think proactively about, you know, what can we do? It's incredibly difficult timing, but also, you know, making more space for people to be able to be safe on high street to try and get the footfall up. It's like, what can we do to bring that footfall? back. Who else would like to come in and share your perspective? Claude from Volcano Theatre. Hi, thanks everyone for, for your contribution. I, I mean, it's, it's great to, to hear all this stuff. And, uh, you know, when we talk about the offer of the High Street, I think we are between all the organisations here building up quite a nice offer, you know, with Elysium's new bar and the uh, value coffee and lovely sandwiches from first school. We've got the new cafe in the Bush Hotel. We've got the fantastic Turkish kitchen restaurant there. But obviously I'm quite a fan of closing the street and we did that in conjunction with Coastal. And a lot of the organisations here were also involved with that for the Station to Sea project. And that was back in 2017. We had the Troublemakers Festival and we closed the street for two days in both directions. That was because we wanted to make a bit of a splash. I mean, in, in general, I think that there might be something to be said with the thing Ben alluded to, because we've got a, a busy bus route going north on the street, but absolutely no buses go south. Ben's colleague Gordon is always saying buses are great for the place because people get on and off them. When we did organise the festival, redirecting the buses was one of the big logistical challenges of it so if you if you can get that out of the way you've got uh, a bit less complication so if you for instance close close it in a southbound direction temporarily like Ben was saying with things that if they didn't work out for the businesses we wouldn't be stuck with them so that, that people who are worried about this stuff can give it a try without committing to it I think I'm, I mentioned to Zoe that I've been talking to 
Mary Gagen from the Tree Forum as well. And there's some funding available from places like the Heritage Lottery Fund for doing the sort of stuff they've been doing in Cardiff, where they've been dropping trees and parklets and stuff into to spaces to, to see if they can create more space for pedestrians and, and cyclists and, and social distancing, you know. So it would be great to, to give something like that a go and to pick up that narrative we, we worked so hard on developing about the, the importance of the high street as a place to the city with the location of the station and the way that the high street is a is, is always going to be there. People do go down it, they just historically haven't stopped there as long as they might. There was reason for them to pause and, and the environment was more conducive to doing so. Thinking specifically about volcanoes, what's your outlook at the moment? Are you open? Are you planning to reopen? We're close to the public at the moment, so we're, we're in there just sort of figuring stuff out and sticking tape on the floor, thinking about routes. I mean, we're, we're very fortunate in, in a way to have a space of that size at the moment because obviously that gives us some options. When it comes to social distancing, I mean, our hands are tied by the regulations in terms of running theatre events and stuff, but we're starting to think about how we reopen the gallery. And I think that's that's logistically possible. And live theatre will be a little bit further down the line, but we can use the opportunities of the building to think about how the audience and the actors, performers meet each other, you know, because it can be that rather than worrying about the space, the actors are in places around the building and the audience have a journey through the building in small groups and come across performance as they go it could be outdoors as well you know so um and it could go to different places it could go to elysium bar or you know whatever there's plenty of options for that where you know when we can tick tick all the health regulations that we're making sure that everyone's safe and and, and of course there's then the um the, there's thinking about how people feel about coming there again we're yeah. trying to work through but we're ca- we're cautiously optimistic Great. Who else would like to come in? The high street certainly has the potential for to have a lot of football up and down it. It's got the station at one end of it. You've got student developments cropping up all over the place. They've got a Mariner Street. There's one, I think, going to committee today on Jockey Street. There's a lot going on towards the north end. It, it links very well into town. The question is, what do the businesses need in order to open up? Is it a case of we need more outside space? And if you need more outside space, then how do we achieve that? So... The way I see it, you've got there's a couple of options. You could restrict people driving up and down the road. It is a very well-used bus route, especially northbound. I mean, southbound buses did use it until they changed the Kingsway round, and then they couldn't use it because you couldn't get to it. Now, whether the bus companies have a change in thinking on where they'd route their buses once the Kingsway works are complete or once it goes back to two-way again, I don't know. But generally, the bus companies, it's a, it's a commercial enterprise. They'll be driven by where the people are. If there's people on High Street and it, they think it's worth their while to run buses southbound on High Street, then they try and do that. I mean, it's the, the bus routes that use High Street are some of the best used ones we've got in the county because of where they serve, but they, they do deliver a lot of people into the area, or the potential to deliver a lot of people into the area. So I think I'd, I'd be a little reticent to try and think about closing the road completely. I don't see that that's a goer, really. I think, I think politically, I think we get a lot of opposition to that, particularly given the history of the Kingsway in the city centre. As soon as you start essentially proposing more one-way systems or anything like that, I think, um, I think the councillors would be very nervous about that kind of thing. The footway on the western side, it's quite wide, although there's some, there's some street trees and things in it. The footway on the eastern side isn't so good. I mean, that, that's eaten into by things like car parking and that kind of thing. I don't know what the businesses think of the on-street parking and how much benefit that is to them and whether they get they think they'd get some additional benefit from having the outside trading space rather than the ability for people to come up and park there. Gareth, do you want to come in? It's just about generating this discussion. I, I don't pretend to understand how to run a, a, a small independent business, coffee shop or whatever. You know, we can, we can sit back and do nothing and 
just expect or wait for the footfall to come in the shape of the student schemes that Matt refers to or however else it might come, I don't know. But I guess, you know, in terms of solving that problem around footfall, it's about creating a destination, isn't it? And we're in the heart of the city in terms of people arriving on the train. So people do walk down the high street, but as Claude said earlier, we, you know, we want them to stop. We want them to go into those businesses and have a coffee and have a sandwich. It's about creating a really nice environment, I think. Whilst the footfall isn't there at the minute, it's about looking into the future, about how it links to the new arena and about creating a space that people actually want to come to. But there are other cities across Northern Europe who have a similar climate to us. In fact, the temperature extremes are greater than Swansea. I don't think that should be a reason for not doing something. There are ways around that in terms of offering cover and, and all the rest of it. There are cities and towns in Northern Europe who are taking forward measures and they, they have similar sort of weather patterns to South Wales. Just going back to my earlier point, what problem are we trying to solve? And for me, it sounds like footfall and how do we encourage High Street as a place to come to because they enjoy coming there? There are some really good points made there, and just, just to pick up on a couple of them, I'll just start off with, with Gareth's one about the rainfall cover, you know, the need for people to be uncovered. People won't sit outside in the wet, but actually, as Gareth says, Northern Europe and also the, the West Coast of North America as well, you know, sort of a very similar maritime climate to us, and it's really about coming up with solutions that cater to that, which is about canopies, it's about having temporary covers, those sort of things, so we, we can cater to that. People will sit outside if we can keep them dry and warm. I hear what's said about the footfall. I, I think the comment I'd make on footfall really is that footfall I'm taking as read that High Street is a is a bit of town that's in transition so we're constantly sort of you know iteratively trying to improve it bit by bit but actually it's about footfall but it's also about dwell time and you know as Gareth says we want people to stop we don't want them just to walk straight through as fast as possible the push on a lot of this creating a more walkable places and I much prefer that phrase because when you say pedestrianisation everybody sees it as a binary choice in other words it's all pedestrians and no cars or it's lots of cars and not a very nice pedestrian environment actually what you want to aim for is more of a balance. I'm often quite nervous about full pedestrianisation of large areas. Don't have a problem where it's a small square or a short stretch of road, but actually when you do it with very large stretches of road, that can cause you difficulties in shoulder periods, sort of a tea time, those sorts of things where they become very, very quiet. So actually hybrids are often preferable if you can do it but if you're going to do that you need to create much lower traffic speed environments so that it's safe to do it uh, and there's plenty of examples all over the world of that from Kensington High Street to places like Boynton in, in Cheshire to, to lots of European countries so I think the, the footfall thing is really about creating a place in which people are more willing and eager to dwell and linger and, and part of that is about just creating more people's spaces and, and not just have it as a transit space that you move through it's a, it's a place that you want to stop in I think a full road closure is probably maybe going to bit too far at this stage but actually what we should start looking at is trialing other things like parklets like outdoor space maybe a single lane road closure maybe even a partial one where you're creating kind of points where you know traffic comes in both directions but much like you do in some places where they traffic calm they'll create pinch points where one lane of traffic's got to stop the other one has a give way you can pass and then you move out into the other lane and instead of sticking a concrete island to create that give way well maybe we put some temporary urbanism in and a place where a cafe can spill out so you've still got parking you've still got some two-way traffic but we're just starting to play with the urban environment to say well how do we do this how do we start to, to trial these sorts of approaches and, and linked into that is that actually whilst usually the gut feel is often I don't want to muck around with this my business is small and actually we've got to protect turnover and usually when you survey people comes out top which is to say we want parking and we want to be able to bring our cars as closely as possible all of the evidence in the world where this has been done 
indicates that turnover of businesses of all types increases significantly when you create more pedestrian friendly environments. But actually in all the places where that evidence has been shown, in almost every instance, there was huge opposition from businesses to doing it in the first place because of the, the reticence to do it. And I fully understand that where these are permanent changes and I actually really don't think we should be going down the route of permanent changes. But I think what tactical urbanism does is it opens up an opportunity for us just to try things for very short periods. What isn't there yet in the evidence base and where we've got to be really careful is is now the time to do it because all these other places that have done it haven't done it in, in sort of, you know, if they've done it as part of a COVID response, it's too early to know how it's worked. Um, it looks like it's working, but it's, it, it's very early stages. So we've got to be sensitive to the fact that this is probably the hardest time any business has ever had in their whole history. Um, the danger is if you stick with the status quo, are we creating spaces when people are maybe put off putting into going to town centres anyway, by going back to normal, actually maybe that sort of reinforces a negative. On the other hand, it could reinforce a positive by saying, I don't want any disruption. I just want it to be exactly the way I thought about it. I don't think we're going to know the answer to that until we try a few different things. So I think, I think those are the things that we should, we should think about. Final point I just make on that is about green infrastructure. Green infrastructure is sort of a, a bit of a jargonistic term, but really it's about creating more green and pleasant urban environments, but not just for aesthetic reasons, that they provide a lot of other services in things like they will absorb water runoff, they will create rain gardens, so, you know, to, not just to kind of trap uh, you know, flood waters, but also they clean the water before it goes through to the drains. Um, they will do things like absorb a lot of the nasty particulates that come off cars that we all breathe in, you know, there's certain plants which, which will gobble them up and it doesn't, you know, doesn't completely remove them, but it sort of re reduces the amount that's going into people's lungs um, so there's lots of stuff that does and that doesn't have to be a mutually exclusive discussion you know we can do green infrastructure without having to pedestrianize without having to do all these other things we're doing so i don't think green infrastructure has to be certainly we can do more green infrastructure if we start to make more people spaces because we're physically creating more space in which you can do that stuff um, but we can still do green infrastructure whilst keeping road systems exactly as they are at the moment. So I don't think we've got to be careful that green infrastructure doesn't get dragged into a discussion of, well, if we don't want anything to change, well, you can change the green infrastructure without altering anything else. So that we, you know, they can go hand in hand, but they don't have to be mutually exclusive. Thank you, Ben. Our new office location is inside Swansea train station. And we've talked a bit, Zoe, haven't we, about that the first impressions, the arrival experience as you come out of the station. And I think it's partly about having an inspiring vision of what could be. And then, as Ben says, what are the, the things we could trial and the small steps we could take to get there? But what would you like to see for High Street, Zoe? And where do you see the greatest opportunity? It's such a shame that this COVID thing, like we've championed all the good work that's been happening on High Street for such a long time. It's really been a different experience when you walk down the streets for a number of years now. It's a really lovely place. And with the developments happening outside the train station with the Mariner Place and all the potential students arriving, the commercial shops at the bottom, it was looking like it was going to create more and more footfall for it. It was a really exciting opportunity for us. And then with the digital arena at the other end, you know, we're going to be expecting lots more people hopefully coming by train to come and see things at the digital arena. So this has put a bit of a banner in the works for the time being. So how do we get people back and how do we instill that confidence? A lot of the shops at the top end of the high street from the train station down are sort of those cafe types, but a lot of them as well are the creative sector. So there's the art galleries and volcano theatre. 
does this outside base idea work for those sort of businesses? Because if it does, then I guess that's where the opportunity is. That sort of section of high street, it's a real creative street. Will that outdoor space work for the arts community? Interested to hear from you, Jonathan, from Elysium. What do you think? Yeah, it would. As Claude's already pointed out, they held the, um, the Troublemakers Festival on the high streets a couple of years ago now. And obviously it's to make things happen, to get people to that end of the street, but it's also to get all the different businesses involved. I mean, I took part in the St. Helens project last year. There was a a lot of push against it from the local businesses about closing off the road for a day and holding a a children-led street festival. It was one of the best projects that ever took part in. By the end of the day, all the shops were opening up their businesses to people and they were helping with the setting up of things and taking things down. And it really brought the community together. I mean... Going back onto the high street, I think the high street lacks any sort of personality. There there seems to be all these things happening, but there's nothing gluing it together. It almost like it needs a bit of a rebrand or something. You know, you've you've kind of got made in Rofe and stuff in Cardiff and things like that. High street hasn't got that. It's embedded in Swansea, the perception of high street. It's it's not good. It doesn't matter if if you built a replica of the Taj Mahal kind of at the end of it there's still this it feels like there's still this attitude towards it and that's what needs to change as from an Elysian point of view we've, we've also done outside stuff we used to do a thing called disruption and one of them actually took place on high street back in 2011 so just before coastal kind of started turning everything around and um over a two-day period we brought about 2,000 people to the high street just through culture and the arts it does work, and uh, and I think these outdoor projects are actually a great way of making things happen. Whether pedestrianisation and all that is the answer, I don't know. My first gut is instinct is, yeah, get rid of the traffic, you know, because it, it can't get any worse. You know, the people just don't want to kind of come up and down that street. I, my, my gut instinct, yeah, you know, completely pedestrianise it, but... I don't know what I'm talking about, so, yeah. <laughs> and, and there's also, you know, the opportunity, I think, in, in increasing the public realm to find creative and visual ways to tell that story about what's emerging in High Street and to bring the artists out into the street so that just by walking down the street, you're getting that, that new story, as you've described, the kind of the identity and character of the place. Jane, you run a gallery on High Street. What's the prospect of your shop opening up again? What do you think about some of these ideas discussed? We're currently redecorating, painting and getting ready to open, but we're open kind of semi-privately with um, conjunction with crisis. We're going to be holding um, one-to-one art classes over the next few months, working with different community outreach programmes that we already set up with. We're also looking at an external sculpture exhibition in October to be outside the building. Thinking about people looking in place, places being accessible or, you know, taking the art outside of the building. So we're looking at all kinds of stuff like everybody is really. But I think partial closure is short periods of time would be very, very helpful. I think that the area behind King's Lane, just off King's Lane and the kind of amphitheatre that's behind the heist, there's quite a lot of space around there and that would be perfect for a little mini parklet. And it's quite near, you know, it's near Volcano, so you could see an exhibition. You know, I, mean, I, think, I think there's potential within that small area of King's Lane, Volcano up, perhaps not 
further than that. The area that they shut off with the troublemakers, I think, was from there up. And I think that would work maybe just for, an, or for a weekend. And, and I understand the political situation with the, with the council. But, you know, this is, this is about income. It, I think it's, if, as long as it's kind of billed and understood as some way of raising income for the high street rather than a cultural event, we're adding on culture to it, obviously. But I think the focus is, is to get people back into businesses. I think the negativity would come from Swansea Council or um, those deciding if it's thought of as a cultural event. I mean, the very fact that uh, the head of cultural services is still working on distributing food and, you know, and medicines to the, to the, to the um, vulnerable says to me that Swansea City Council's focus is still very much on COVID and it will be for quite a long time. And that's totally understandable and much appreciated. So I think we do have to sort of see what this is about, which is about the fact that there's lots of businesses, small businesses. And I don't share that kind of feeling that was said earlier on about the high street. I still think it's got so much potential. And I think it's fascinating. And I think there's so much going on there. I'm actually a bit sick of this description of the high street in that way. I think it's really vibrant. I think it's really lively. Gareth, yeah, would you like to come in? Thanks, Jane. Thanks, Jane. That's really interesting. Just to come back on that, the, the area, certainly the, 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 the amphitheatre, if you like, we are looking at that to see if we can provide something to support the businesses who, who would benefit from that in that area. Whenever someone comes to, to Swansea to visit us at Coastal, if they're new to the city and they've arrived on the train, I always ask them, you know, what, what was their first impressions of coming into Swansea? Because that's clearly a key gateway into the city. There's a massive area outside the uh, train station which could have so much more about it, I feel. And, I, you know, I'd be willing to work with the local authority and others to see what we can do. Hugh Williams, who works for Coastal as well, has got some great ideas about public art and I guess you know, making that space a little bit more interesting than what it currently is. It's got massive potential, there's massive space, there's real opportunity I think for really interesting public art that really respects Swansea's history and some of the people that are from this city you know, could easily be, I don't know, brought to life in that space, statues or whatever, you know. I guess that, again, going back to my point earlier about a destination, coming out of Swansea train station, many cities around the country and come out of those stations and they can be quite sort of dark places to emerge from, you know. Um, but I think there's there's plenty of examples that where, where cities around the UK have really sort of reinvented their stations from. And I think we've got a real chance to do something outside of Swansea's train station to really create that, you know, that destination that I spoke about earlier. Yeah, I fully agree with that. And I know there are conversations going on with Transport for Wales and the station manager at the moment about green infrastructure in particular, and they are interested in putting some planting out there. But I, I certainly agree with what you've said. It's a huge opportunity to showcase the artistic and creative and the, the heritage of our city and celebrate all of that visually as you come out of the station. Julie, is your hand up? Would you like to come in? Just a quick couple of points, if I may, there. Um, going back to a few years ago, it was suggested, I believe, there would be some sort of screen outside showing maybe the beach area. Because I think an awful lot of people, I, I've come across people here in High Street who perhaps are here on a day out and they'll say they're on their way home or on their way back to where they're staying. And they'll say, how far is it to the sea <laughs> and because they've come to the city and they've actually not realized there's another five minutes and they'll be on most wonderful beach so it was suggested at some point or another about some screen it perhaps would show people 
what there is within yeah. a very short space of time. And if I could just say to Jane as well, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to be terribly negative. Um, I think it's purely the fact that I've been around when there's, there's no office people. And let's be honest, in this last few years, it has changed uh, to 100 times better than it was just a few years ago. With the advent of all these different things, it helps tremendously. But without any of these office people around, and before all the students are around, in this last few weeks, it has been quite desperate here it's obviously as you might well imagine so i mean we really do need football to make the place as you say vibrant and so forth that, that's an important point isn't it to try and stop any backsliding and so keep yes. the forward momentum and certainly julie you're a very positive person so i, I think oh. um, <laughs> yeah i think we're all like-minded in the fact that we all really passionately believe in the future of high street and and in how much progress has been made claude can i bring you in yeah, can I just say, um, I mean, it's interesting to note that, that Argos has gone. I think that's an interesting sort of symbolic moment because, of course, it was one of the main generators of private car journeys to the street. It basically it brought nothing to the rest of the street. They stop, they drive through sometimes quite fast, stop, stick the hoover in the back and go again. <laughs> you know, it's sort of em emblematic of, you know, the idea that people would come to uh, a high street for a product from a chain and, and that's what they get from there and I think we've got to look a bit more towards what what's the high street of the future look like and it, it, it probably doesn't look like especially when people have been re-evaluating their priorities in the Covid era and uh, Anna was talking a lot in the last meeting about um, you know finding the time to just be outside and, and uh, rediscovering and all that and um, people are increasingly going to be looking for a sort of an experience from the high street rather than uh, uh, you know a product um, so it's, it's a matter of sort of seeing what kind of experience all of us can put together for people to, to see as a destination I guess. It's, it's, the, gate, it's the gateway to the city I yeah. mean that should be should be see as you come out of that train station that's what it should be singing all this hustle and bustle and all the great things which are happening there that needs to be celebrated. I feel there needs to be something to bind it all together. I think it is a marketing issue we've had a lot of discussion about this area of Swansea being a creative and cultural quarter of Swansea. It is vibrant, as Jane has mentioned. There is a lot going on and there is no better opportunity if we partially close the roads. Like, what's the vision for that? Imagine you come out of the train station and have the art that Gareth says and you walk down or you could hire bikes from a bike hire shop just as you come from the train station. You can cycle down High Street and stop in different cafes and look at art and maybe watch some uh, performance in the street because as Claudine has mentioned you can't have it indoors so let's put it outside. Julie's mentioned that there might not be enough shops open. If you create that, if you create that footfall and that excitement of people wanting to go and see art and see creative stuff going on then people will want to open those shops and they'll want to be part of it as well. I think it's a really exciting idea that we all do yeah. this. And I think that leads into another project that I know Ben is involved in and we've had lots of conversations about vacant units, vacant shop space and the opportunity to create pop-up business space and that problem of vacant shop space in the city centre, there's the fear that that's going to be exacerbated through this crisis. And Ben, you, you're doing a lot of work at the moment, aren't you, to think about how you can streamline the process of making empty shop space available to creative entrepreneurs and others. Do you think that feeds into it? Good public realm, 
boosts the value of currently vacant space. Yeah, absolutely. They both go hand in hand. I mean, in the, sort of meanwhile, space and pop-up spaces are a, 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 a different type of, of pop-up urbanism. They're the indoor and what we've been talking about here is the outdoor version, but they're, they're both effectively the same principle in the sense that what you're trying to do is boost vitality. You're trying to boost footfall. You're trying to boost dwell time. You're trying to boost uh, just general perception. A couple of years back, I was stopped by a group of Chinese students who'd obviously just come to the city and asked me, how, how do you get to the beach from here? And I confidently, as a, a PhD in geography, turned around to explain it. I had to stop and really think about not just where the beach was, but how you physically on foot get to the beach by that point, by the shortest route. And actually, it's one of the things as a city that it's not just Oystermouth Road. It's also just about how physically do we can make those sort of connections, not just sort of in terms of you turn left and you right, then you go down there and you go around this corner. But it's also the sort of visual connections and that sort of sense of you are in a city by the sea. All of that really is about, you know, High Street particularly is, is the street where you've effectively got two choices there, where you go, you either go down Orchard Street or go down High Street. And actually, there's not a lot on Orchard Street to benefit from footfall, whereas there's a lot on High Street that can benefit from footfall. But it's just purely as a puncher who actually likes a lot of the businesses and goes to a lot of the businesses on High Street, if I were going in my car, it's the last place I would probably pull in because you just can't park there. And actually, there's physically only much, so much space. But actually, I would think about walk, walking there and I would think about sitting there if it was quite a nice place to sit and linger. You will need to keep you dry and warm if it's going to be howling again. We started the Meanwhile Project before COVID hit. So the original idea was to create... Actually, Coastal already done a lot of this work on High Street. So in many respects, on High Street, it, you know, a lot of that work is done and, and it is made easy. But in the rest of the city centre, it's actually very, very difficult to do those types of things. And so it was really to extend what Coastal have done, but to the rest of the city centre to make it easier to take those sorts of spaces on. The original idea was, you know, it was it's a nice stepping stone as your first project to do it at low cost. And so what we're trying to do is to lever in some money to cover those kind of basic things which Jonathan and others have had to do at their own cost, which is things like, you know, sort out a fire alarm, fix the electrics, all, all those sorts of quite mundane things, but without doing them, you can't go into a space. But if you're only in them for three months, actually that's quite a lot of money which you might not recover. It's all right if you're there for two years. So it was to take away some of those or at least reduce some of those costs for people going into spaces. Then of course COVID mm. hit and be a fairly brave person at the moment who starts something new on the high street or anywhere else at the moment because footfall has been suppressed and we've probably shifted from new things more to kind of survival of the stuff that's already there is the emphasis but there are other things we might do with empty spaces so far as julie wisely points out you know it's, it's great talking about outdoor seating right now where even if it does rain at least the rain is quite warm we've got to think about october when the rain is coming in horizontally howling a gale um, and, and those sorts of issues. And that's where meanwhile spaces might be repurposed more to think about, well, can we sort of extend seating spaces for cafes in empty shops? High Street's a place where people do really interesting stuff. Have you seen that empty shop that they opened up to make a seating space? Have you seen that bit of green infrastructure? Did you see where they made that, that parklet? And for me, as just as a punter, regardless of whether, you know, there's these kind of projects, that's the stuff in other cities, because I do a lot of urban generation work across the UK, those are the spaces when I'm thinking, where do I go and get my coffee? It's not so much the indoor offer, it's the places that are just nice places to be in. I think the two things are true. On the other hand, it's particularly tough right now, but also COVID has been a massive disruption and interrupted our incredibly busy, hectic way of life and opened therefore new possibilities going forward that we could reopen differently, hence the 
the name of our, our series of conversations, Build Back Better, as we reopen. I think there's great opportunity in times of disruption as well. Matt, if I can come to you and ask about some of the technicalities and the logistics, like what would you suggest to communities like, for example, High Street, but perhaps your answer will be relevant to others as well. Communities that are looking at how they can create more space for people and less space for traffic. What's the process involved in that and, and talking about road closures and things and, and where, how, how would the council be able to support that sort of initiative? The most important thing is political buy-in, without, without doubt. It's, I, mean, I know that uh, the Rob Stewart's very keen on High Street and regenerating High Street, but yeah, I mean, getting, having the, the councillors on side is the most important thing because the council is a political organisation and council officers enact members' decisions. You know, we can do anything. We can build anything. But it's having that, the, having the opinion on side and having the decision on side to say, yeah, do you know what? For the benefit of the businesses, this is what the businesses would like and this is what we're going to do. And then what happens with this sort of experimental first steps approach, you know, the idea of setting up a few what Ben calls parklets, what sort of highway permissions and things are involved in that? Under normal circumstances, obviously you require a license to put stuff on the highway. Now, I know there was talk about sort of relax, relaxing the licensing rules a little bit, given what's going on, to make it easier for businesses to spill out onto the highway. I need to take that up with the head of highways to see where that went, because I don't know. Any final thoughts from any of you? And I'm conscious of time. Claude? been UK government money released for sustainable transport pop-up funding. And um, as far as I can gather, the, the local authority response on this has not been very exciting yet to date. I know we'll... Uh, no, no, I, I, I have my own views on what we should have done. And, uh, okay, I'll, I'll ask Matt to come in on that. They, but, uh, they, they don't necessarily line up with, uh, with what we bid for. We, I think the bid was for, uh, we, we, we're, we're quite, we're getting, getting, getting there with sort of commuter cycle routes and that kind of thing now. There's, there's a lot of work being done over the last couple of years, but always a barrier to that is what happens at the other end. You know, how do people get changed? Where do they store their bikes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and as far as I can make out, the bid was well, we need something in town, we need something at the end of the, these cycle routes to enable people to use them. And whilst yes, government yes, said, well, all right, all right, they said, all right, they're £600,000. And, that that, and, that, and that's pretty much what it was, as far as I can tell. I guess there's just that there's a question about how, do, how does anyone know what, what, what's uh, planned or what's going on if nothing pops up? I mean, the, I know that Will writes the, um, the cycling campaign group, put forward nine suggestions about where you could Pop up, pop up temporary things and yeah they do they, but. they do deal with um our funding officers i yeah. write the grants and our transportation team um i i, I think i mean there was a, a lot of stuff going on when that bid came out it was obviously we had we were sitting on uh waiting for a decision for about 10 million pounds with a fund active travel funding and the they, they weren't too didn't appear to be too willing to start throwing in new grant bids when we weren't aware of what else we would have to deliver this year. There's a website called Widen My Street, which is somewhere that anyone, ordinary citizens of Swansea can uh, look at that and you can make suggestions of what you want in terms of road closures, widening of pavements, uh, slowing down the speed of traffic or whatever. And you can also upvote, as, as the young people say these days, yeah. suggestions that people have already made. Um, so if someone said, uh, you know, for instance, uh, Gwadar Square or whatever needs this, uh, you can say, yes, I think that does and, and upvote it. And that's a way of 
because there's a, there's a equivalent yeah. one for bottles as well, which works quite well. But I'm not sure that uh, what the outcome of this one is yet. But anyway, widen my street. Widen my street. But perhaps once I can I can have a chat to the sort of the funding officers now, my colleagues in transportation, and perhaps maybe through you, Zoe, we can arrange to have a little sit down and a chat outside of this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That would be really helpful. Yeah, I think. Would anyone else like to come in with any further thoughts on this? Julie. Sorry, just a quick point, please. And that's the fact we've been talking about altering the street and altering parking and things like this. I'm very conscious of the fact that we're not actually well represented here by retailers. And I just feel that we struggle so much in the street for the sort of 18 months or so when there was no parking at all allowed. I just feel it might be rather a backward step to try to minimise parking now, albeit apart from, obviously, um, as a temporary thing. I mean, mm. the festivals and things are totally different, but I just feel that, you know, looking at it from other retailers' perspective, I don't think that they would feel that their businesses would benefit if the parking that we have at the moment was taken away from them yeah no but it will be important to get the views of all the businesses along the high street i think and i you know i think it could be that very small interventions are made initially and and not a lot a huge loss of of parking in the short term nick williams from welsh government has joined the call welcome nick thanks for joining us nick you're really interested in regeneration and uh we've spoken before about the transforming towns initiative in welsh government would you like to come in on some of the ways that Welsh Government are keen to support efforts to improve and increase public realm and support businesses in coming out of this COVID experience? So Nick Williams and my role is Head of Regeneration for South West Wales. So that's the four local authorities in the South West. In terms of our stance on town centre regeneration, it's, it's termed transforming towns. So transforming towns firmly um, establishes that regeneration function in Welsh Government looks at town centres, so not, not surrounding areas, but firmly in town centres. And, and to be clear, we think town centres sometimes are too big and there is sometimes a need to shrink them so that all investment is, is doubling down and, and really core investment in a town centre place. Um, there's lots of products available through Welsh Government and that's why we're trying to bring them all together. There's, there's probably five or six different things we do in town centres in terms of grant support. So we're, we're rebranding everything now as transforming town funding um, in town centres. The, one of the grants that we have, which is available through the local authorities, is called a thematic grant. And that means it's funding normally up to about £250,000 for businesses. So if you apply to um, enhance your, your shop or to put homes above a vacant space above your shop, grant funding is available for that. And that's available, available through Paul Ralph's team in the council. But in the current situation we find ourselves in in regards to COVID, um, we realized that there was a need for us to be a bit more fleet of foot and a bit more urgent in what we were doing. So I've recently written to ministers to ask them, can we change this funding for shop frontages and, and homes above shops? Can we change that to reflect the current narrative and the current pandemic we're in so that we can use that funding for other things? So there's, the list has yet to be signed off and we, we're working with the chief medical officer at the moment to try and uh, make sure that these are the right interventions. But what we're saying is, is there's no reason we can't now use this funding 
for either the local authority or for businesses or for town councils or third sector groups or bids and things like that so that they can use this funding to support outdoor seating areas and parklets and tables and chairs and canopies and awnings uh, igloo bubbles all of those sorts of things which will facilitate social distancing um, it will facilitate trading at a lower density area uh, it will facilitate people being outdoors which is clearly more beneficial than being indoors uh, and really it's designed to encourage people into town centers but also to ensure that businesses remain viable uh, which is key for us because without the businesses we don't have a high street um, so in terms of where we are at the moment uh, local authorities have been consulted on this so Paul Ralph in Swansea and his team are working on this at the moment uh, we are hoping, uh, well I said ministers have signed it off, but we are hoping to have our, our guidance signed off this week. If it is, we can issue that and then we need to be quite reactive in terms of encouraging partners to apply and take this on. The, the key for this is that the funding is available up to 80% of costs. So if you wanted to put um, a canopy up outside your shop with tables and chairs and seating, 80% of the cost could be met through this support. I'll pause there for questions, I think. Yeah, who would like to ask any questions of Nick or make any other comments? It's about the um, how far out into the pavement we are actually able to go as, um, you know, as uh, businesses, because the heist has a seating area outside. And this has occurred to me that actually encouraging a lot of those businesses along that area to have outside areas, whether it relates to your shop or not. I mean, it's just, it does creating places where people can sit. I just wondered about the legalities of that. And, um, you know, also, um, yeah, I'm gonna shut up because it's sort of, yeah, there is another question that's coming, but um, can we answer this one? Um, Matt, you might have something on that. You were saying that you're sort of looking at those sorts of regulations in the council at the moment. Uh, yeah, I mean, generally speaking, as it stands, we would like, we would seek to maintain a a safe walking area for pedestrians to walk up and down the street outside of the outside of the tables, which is generally somewhere in the region of about one point eight two meters, something like that. But uh, it's it's very what? site specific. Two meters. But that's not Currently. a normal. That's not a normal pavement. Two meters isn't a normal pavement. So how can that be? How can that be? How can that work? Sorry. Two meters. Two meters is a normal pavement. They do pinch that sort of what they well, do. I'll go, that, I'm going to go out with my tape measure now. <laughs> but yeah. that's it. I think what we're uncovering there is a, exactly the challenge because if a business wants to open out onto the street and yet you still need to allow two meters pavement space, that's where these ideas that we're discussing today become relevant. Mm. Actually, you take over the parking bay that's opposite your shop and you make that, whether with a bit of decking and a canopy or whatever it is, you make that parking bay into your cafe seating area or your outdoor gallery space so that actually the, the passage of pedestrians on the pavement is not interrupted. And it's that exact challenge that you've talked about there, Jane, which I, I can see the frustration there that businesses want to move outside onto the street, but at the moment there are these, these constraints in terms of space. Mm. I mean, it's, it's very, it is very site-specific. You know, it depends on you know, how many pedestrians are walking around, that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, as a general rule, two metres is a minimum footway width. We can pinch down to about one and a half if we can, if we need to. That is, that, that, that's still allowed. But, you know, it's, 
realistically it's can you get down there with a double buggy that that kind of question that we you know we need to look at yeah. um mm. i'm i'm conscious of time now and i wondered whether gareth whether you'd like to come in before we close just with what you see as um, possible next steps and any reflections following today's discussion yeah i think thank you ever so much for the opportunity talk about this. I think it's been really, really fascinating. Um, there's differences of opinion, which is always the case. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sort of here to sort of uh, determine what, what the best outcome is. I think, I think you know, we've, we've had a conversation already, Ben, ben and I and um, Dawn and Zoe about surveying um, the local business community as to what they would like to see. I think there is an opportunity to do something longer term, whatever that looks like, but certainly shorter in the short term, I think there's definitely opportunities as well as, as Ben has uh, already spoken about. And clearly with Nick mentioning a fund, you know, it's always, always helpful to have a fund, isn't it, to support some of this stuff. Um, so I, I'd, like, I'd like, I guess, to sort of um, corral the views of other, other businesses. Julia's already made the point that some of them aren't represented here today, and I think it's important to, um, to understand their view of the world. But also, I think, you know, for, for me, it's about emphasising what, the, what the, the potential of the high street is, not just looking at it in the here and now, you know, what we could create as that, uh, that destination place, uh, which I've, I've already referred to. So I've got to go. So sorry about that. Um, and thank you ever so much for the opportunity. But perhaps we can talk about Dawn and Zoe and Ben, you know, what that survey uh, will look like um, you know, and we've already obviously had those conversations, but, you know, the next steps, I think, around that. I think we'd like to thank you all for being part of today's conversation and sharing a variety of different perspectives and some of the opportunities and ideas that there are out there. I think, as Gareth has said, we need to really do a lot more business engagement along the high street and get the views of other businesses. One word of caution on that, I think, is, is the importance of being able to share the vision, as Gareth has said, of, of what could be and the art of the possible, because sometimes the way you ask a question predetermines the response to be very sort of conservative and negative, when actually there's huge opportunity here and huge energy among some of the businesses. And if we're able to share that and make that feel real to people, um, then hopefully we can make some small and temporary interventions to trial some of these ideas without major commitments and see whether we can experiment with ways of opening high street better and with more opportunity for creativity and culture and experience but also the green infrastructure part I think we haven't spoken much about that this morning but I know there are a number of partners around the city that are really interested in how we can create those green corridors and bring planting and green environments into urban areas. So thank you all very much for contributing your points of view. We'll keep you informed as this moves forward. And in the meantime, do tune in to our series of online conversations, Build Back Better, all the ways that we can develop here in South West Wales to create a wellbeing economy and make our region better for people and for the planet. Thank you very much. That's all for now.